0: You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit UpperRoomFrisco.com. That worship was getting me. I don't know if you could note, I mean, if you could tell I was up here spinning on the stage. Um, (laughs) You know, anytime the Lord asks me to do something like that, I still get scared. I don't know if, if you're anything like me i I've, I've been in the church my whole life and I've seen some pretty weird moments in church but I mean anytime God calls you to do something stand up in front of people to <clears throat> do something out of the ordinary i mean it, it's it's a scary thing and it really takes it really takes the Holy Spirit just to push past that Michael's been talking about that the last two two times that he's preached I've just his messages on the the Feeling of the Holy Spirit have been so incredible. It's been it's been really good, right, guys? <laughs> <Ready>. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, the the human brain is like this amazing thing that God designed to start. Working the, like the moment it's formed and it doesn't ever stop working until someone puts a microphone in in front of your face, and it, it really takes the anointing, the the Holy Spirit to pull off anything that's worthwhile. If you can accomplish it without God, it's it's not worth much. And he's he's always doing things in the most unorthodox way. It's almost like. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Gideon. I mean, he's he's got thirty-two thousand warriors, and he's going against the the Midianite army, which is bigger than his army by far. And he's thinking, well, I mean, with thirty-two thousand, yeah, we, we have a, we have a decent shot. He's not even confident with that amount. And the Lord says, you have too many. I mean, that is that is really out of the box thinking, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Would you please enlighten me as to how in the world do you think we have too many? And he said, tell the entire army that anyone who's, who's scared can go home. And it goes from 32,000 to 10,000 like that. There's no chance of winning a war at that point in terms of just fist to fist, sword to sword battle. And the Lord just says, yeah, it's still too many. And, uh, and, it, and it gets whittled down to 300 people. And, and then God actually gives the strategy. It's like if you step out and, limit, and put yourself in a position where God has to show up, he does. And that's what Michael's been talking about. It's a promise in all four Gospels that when you put yourself in the face of a hostile audience, don't worry, I'll fill you. I'll give you the words to speak in that moment. And so they're down to 300 people, and then the strategy comes. And again, it's completely out of the box, completely unorthodox. And the Lord says, "You know, light torches, put them under baskets, surround the enemy's camp, take your trumpets with you, and as soon as you give the signal, throw up the torches, start screaming, and blast the trumpets as loud as possible." <laughs> and I, that's—I guarantee—that's the, the first time in history that a battle has been won like that. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and it, it threw the enemy into so much confusion and so much terror that they turned on each other. They didn't know like where the, the good guys and bad guys were, and so they just started killing every, everyone around them because they were terrified and trying not to be the one that got killed. And that is a prophetic picture of what it's like to walk with the Lord. The enemy might—you might think that you're outnumbered in this very moment and backed against the wall— and suddenly the the spirit of the lord is going to come upon you you're going to shout at the enemy and he's going to be the one who's terrified you are going to put fear into fear's heart have you guys ever been in a situation that you you couldn't think or feel your way out of you're looking at me like you mean like today <laughs> it's often right there was a time where I, I, I was at this crossroads and I didn't know if I was supposed to fight for something or wait for something. And if you go to scripture, I don't know if you guys know this, but you can actually make an argument for either way from the Bible. And you need, you need a word from the Lord. And, and I'm in, this, in the midst of this confusion, in the midst of this turmoil, the, the Holy Spirit asked me a question. Anybody ever have the Holy Spirit ask you a question? And he just, in the midst of me just going around and around in my head, he says, Jeremy, where does balance come from? And I said, well, the equilibrium, Lord. <laughs> and he said, that's right. Balance will never come from a place of thinking or feeling. It will only come from the place of hearing. We have to be a people who hear him in order to navigate the paths that are in front of us. See, there's an insanity in the bride right now, a duality. Half the church wants to be led by what we've seen work in the past, and half the church wants to be led by the voice of the Lord. And it's not just in the church. It's in in every one of us. There are these moments where we think, well, you know, that worked before, let's just do that again. When really what we need is a word from the Lord. We really need to hear him. Because when, when they surrounded the Midianites and shouted with torches, that was that battle. But it wasn't the last battle. If they, sur- if they come up on the next battle and they're, and they're thinking, oh, it worked with the Midianites, let's just do that again. They might get chopped in half. Or they go up to the walls of Jericho and they march around it seven times and blow the trumpets and the, the walls fall down. Well, the next battle, they actually needed to pull out their swords and swing them. And if we, if we just settle into a place where we're just doing what we've seen work before, it's just not a good place to be. Um, do you know our, our culture is pretty obsessed with a guy named Abraham Lincoln? And uh, some of the reasons, I think, that we're obsessed with him is because he had to do something that no other leader of an army has ever had to do. He had to defeat an enemy without villainizing them. Because at the end of the day, he was going to reunify the North and South. And so most leaders of armies, you know, they, they... They get their troops riled up by saying, you know, these guys that we're fighting, these enemies of ours, they're less than human. Just rid the earth of them. But Lincoln couldn't do that because we were fighting against brothers. And Lincoln knew that we weren't fighting against flesh and blood in that moment. We were actually fighting against a mentality. And the Lord told me that he's looking for his Abraham Lincolns who will not villainize the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are held captive with false thoughts about God, who are held captive in a place of tradition and religion. He's looking for his Abraham Lincolns. And after he told that to me, I, I, I started driving home from uh, the, the church where I was, and I get a phone call from a number I don't even recognize, and usually I, you, know, you just don't answer those in this day and age. Uh, but I, I just decided to answer it for some reason. I said, hello? And, he, and the guy on the other end he asked me, is this Abe? I kid you not. How many Abrahams are there anymore, honestly? And I, and I was like, you mean Abraham? He's like, yeah? And I said, no, but to this day, I wish I would have said yes, because I think it was an angel. <laughs> If I would have said yes, the conversation would have kept going. But I said no because I was just out of my mind. Anyway, it was just confirmation that the Lord is saying that there is a civil war in the bride. There is an insanity in the bride. But he is looking for his people who will lay down their lives in a place of love for brothers and sisters in order to bring about a deliverance from those false thoughts about the character of God. That's... How we're going to unify the bride again. No matter what the cost, we have to become a people who are led by the Holy Spirit. The upper room, we are obsessed with creating a place that the Lord likes to visit and dwell and do the things that he loves to do. And and we are always thinking of how that happens the ways that we can create an atmosphere where the lord loves to come and and be the lord and of course it's 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 prayer it's worship it's ministering to the heart of god but there's actually more to it than that we have to embrace the possibility of looking foolish doing out-of-the-ordinary things that we feel God may be asking us to do, maybe even silly things. The reason I took the mic, stood up here, and said, we need to start a commotion and started dancing around in a circle is because I fear God more than you. (laughs) The fear of man just gets completely dismantle that when we begin to honor the Holy Spirit experience his joy over us when we step out on the waters speaking of stepping out on the waters that's another thing that we have to do to create a place that the Holy Spirit loves to dwell we have to take risks and step out into waters that we've always sunk in before we read that story about Peter and we think oh that's an amazing story that must have been the first time his foot ever touched water no he grew up around water. He's fallen out of boats before. He's waded into the water. He's swam in the water. He knows what water does. It drowns people. And every other time in his life, when he has touched water, he has sunk. But the Lord asked him again. It's not just new things that God will ask us to do again. It will be the places that we've failed so many times. And he'll say, will you do it one more time? It takes responding to the Holy Spirit to create a place the Holy Spirit loves to dwell. I, I actually learned this from my friend. His name is David Porkadu. And the way that I learned it is that David laughs at all my jokes. And when I met him, I was like, man, I love this guy. I like to be around him. He laughs. He thinks I'm hilarious. And... uh after we were friends for, I don't know, like a year or something, the Lord said, <clears throat> the, the thing that you like about David is what I like about my people. That we respond to him. If he, if he like shows up and brings a little bit of joy, you embrace it, you smile. Maybe even say, you know, I feel like a, a good chuckle. Let's start laughing in the presence of the Lord, or if you feel joy, I haven't danced in a while, and it doesn't look like anyone else is dancing, but I'm going to dance right now, because I I just feel the Lord bringing joy, and you begin to respond, and what I've noticed is the, the people who respond to the Lord and jump on those little inclinations that the Lord releases, for some reason, the Holy Spirit's always hanging out with those people. He likes to be around the people who respond. He appreciates being appreciated. It's how we create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit loves to hang out. It takes departing from what we've seen work before to embracing whatever he is telling us to do. Here's a phrase that you've probably heard. If you've... If you can't find it in Scripture, throw it out. And I want want you guys to know that 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 probably comes from a good place, good intentions. It's keeping people from falling into false doctrine. It's keeping people, things like from the wheels, just falling right off that church. But I actually believe that it is fear masquerading as reverence. Because what the Holy Spirit says in Scripture is that you are going to do greater works than Jesus. That all... All the books in the world wouldn't be able to contain the things that Jesus did. That he goes above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. So scripture is perfect. Don't hear what I'm not saying. The Bible, every, every verse is useful for teaching, rebuking, training in all of godliness but a book that has a beginning and an end cannot contain a God that has neither. That book was meant to lead us into a relationship with the eternal, almighty, unending, immeasurable Yahweh. He is so immeasurable. You know that he doesn't dwell in heaven. Do you know? Yahweh doesn't dwell in heaven. Heaven dwells in him. Not even the highest heavens can contain him. So I think that instead of instead of saying, you know, if we can't find it in scripture, we have to throw it out, what we should probably believe instead is that if it doesn't measure up to the truth found in Scripture, then I'm not into it. And the truth found in Scripture is that love will do anything to show his love to his beloved. He's wild. You ever seen a jealous man do something crazy? That's the Lord after our hearts. He's far too creative to show up the same way twice. He's far too spontaneous and inventive. I think about Paul. Paul is is up in the, in the great cloud of witnesses right now. The guy that wrote half of our New Testament. Awesome dude. Do you think that at the end of his life, it would be encouraging him for him to find out that over the next 2,000 years, no one would write anything better than his letters? That no one would get a, a more powerful experience or revelation of the heart of God? I think that would depress him. His ceiling is our floor. Like we are continually building generation upon generation, revelation upon revelation. We are going from glory to glory. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't go out and say, I just wrote a book that needs to go in the Bible. But Paul right now is in the great cloud of witnesses cheering you on saying, you can write something more anointed than I have ever written. David is in the great cloud of witnesses right now saying you can sing a song better than anything that is in the Psalms. Y'all are looking at me funny. <laughs> I mean, Jesus wouldn't give us a formula in order to fall into a tradition. Every time he healed someone, he did it a different way. You can go to a healing conference and it's a, it's a whole bunch of guessing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not guessing. It's listening to the Lord. You're, but he's always telling you a new way to do things. I mean, Jesus spit in mud and rubbed it in a blind guy's eye. He actually made the blind guy's eyes worse before making them better. I mean, the, I mean, wouldn't that be like the last thing you would want? Like You're already blind and now someone's scraping mud into your eyeball. that's the Messiah. <laughs> I think that we're we're kind of obsessed with people who get things done in an unorthodox way. We, we like the rule breakers. You know, the Bible doesn't have an anointing to describe some of the things Smith Wigglesworth walked in. You know, at the turn of the century, someone handed him a, a dead baby in a meeting in front of a bunch of people and he kicked it. And it, Landed alive. There, I mean, I've looked through the Bible, and there is no kick the dead baby anointing Whoa! in Scripture. He goes above and beyond. He is outside of our box. <laughs> uh, my my friend, uh, she's, she's from Louisiana. She went on a mission trip to Germany and uh, was... Uh, ministering to uh, gypsies they 're like these gypsy tribes um, in, in this part of part of Europe and um, she 's from Louisiana she only speaks Louisiana and <laughs> she 's praying for this person and just starts praying in tongues and the guy starts weeping hard and she learns through the interpreter that while she is praying in tongues that She's praying in perfect gypsy dialect for this man's family members by name. He just encountered God. That one's kind of in the Bible when you read Acts (laughs) 2. Psalm 115 says that God does whatever pleases him. And I don't want you to hear that the wrong way. Like, I'm... He does whatever pleases him. No, like he does what gives him pleasure. Like he is unpredictable at times. He, it's it's the, the most incredible paradox to follow a God who never changes but will surprise you every day. He is a steady flowing river and the river rises. Uncontrollable. Uncontrollable. You know when the Holy Spirit shows up it's sometimes so much power that our like our mortal frames act a little funny It's it's like plugging a toaster oven into a nuclear power plant you know <laughs> Or like just more joy than you've experienced in a long time like hits your heart and you're like oh and just like joy joy like Forces its way through depression. Forces its way through seriousness. Woo! Don't get me started on how I think the church is too serious. When the Holy Spirit comes, he tickles his kids. I don't know if you guys, parents out there like to tickle your kids, but this is what the Holy Spirit does often. I have four kids. Evelyn is very ticklish on her legs. Not so ticklish in her armpit. Judah, on the other hand, ticklish in the armpit, not so ticklish on the legs. So if I show up and I'm tickling legs, Evelyn's going to be reacting, but Judah's going to think, this is nothing. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying here? But let's say the next day I show up and I'm like, I'm in a mood to tickle armpits. Well, Judah is going to be reacting. He's going to be flipping out under the power of the father. And Evelyn's going to be thinking, I don't feel anything. That must not be the Lord. He's not here. That person is acting in his flesh. (laughs) You would be surprised what a little joy of the Lord will do. I'm really glad Joe Newton showed up because the Lord told me one time that laughter is the Trojan horse upon which many of his angels ride into church. Joe Newton has that incredible laugh. <laughs> if we just let a little bit of that joy in, you have no idea what the Lord's going to be able to do with it. Church is often going to resemble a wild celebration. If we don't like joy, we will not like heaven. <laughs> Jesus chose an interesting first miracle, right? Like, why would he turn water into wine? He does like joy. He does like weddings. And he wanted the party to go on. And yes it did show his divinity. Yes it did show him do something that no one has ever done and I doubt like anyone is going to ever do. He turned water into wine. If you think about it, it, just I mean, water has to evaporate up into a cloud, rain down onto the vineyards of France, get drunk up by the the vines of the grapes, turn into grapes, the grapes mature, they crush the grapes, ferment and it turns into wine. Well, Jesus did like this crazy long process right then and there turning water straight Into wine. And the Lord told me that for 2,000 years, the church has been trying to turn the wine back into water. We've been taking things that were meant to be enjoyed by the Lord and just trying our best to understand it, indoctrinate it, and recreate it. And he's saying, I just want to come and have so much fun with you. I want to release joy in that meeting for no other reason than I love to release joy in that meeting. And you will not become like, you, you don't have to rename yourself the, the, the Joy Church. You don't have to try to recreate it and package it. And you know what I mean? Like, he's just coming because he loves to come. Jesus is just not a by-the-book kind of guy. One of my favorite chapters is Mark, Mark chapter 2. Five times within 28 verses, he breaks a cultural religious rule and immediately gets rebuked. Now, here's here's a dumb question. Has Jesus ever done anything wrong? No, he's just always being himself and being free. But I don't know anyone who got rebuked more than that guy in the Bible, right? Let that be healing to you. (laughs) There are many times when you are being you, you are following the Lord, and you've gotten rebuked. And you're just like Jesus. So anyway, five times within 28 verses, Jesus breaks a cultural religious rule. He breaks a tradition, and he gets rebuked in Mark uh, 2, 5. He forgave the sins of a paralyzed man, and the paralyzed man was healed. And the Pharisees were like, who is this guy who thinks that he can forgive sins? And Jesus is like, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk? And they are both six syllables, so they are equally as hard to say. He's proving a point here. They, both those phrases are equally as difficult to say. He's come to show them that he can forgive sins. He can undo the domain of darkness. That, that, uh, that this, this man is going to stand up and walk and he doesn't have to do it in some by-the-book way. He doesn't have to go through the Pharisee's school of how to heal a paralyzed man. You know what I mean? And then in verse 16, he ate with sinners and he was immediately rebuked. In verse 18... Uh, everybody was fasting, but he went on eating and drinking with his disciples. I love that one because the, the Pharisees just seem so annoyed. They're like, we've been fasting, and you guys just show up, and you're eating all the food. <laughs> this is a season for, for fasting. Even John's disciples are fasting, but what you guys are just eating. And it just, it really offended them. And Jesus is like, have you seen this food, Lo? I mean... <laughs> This is a good spread. <laughs> and then in, in verse 24, they're walking along, along the grain fields, and they're picking the heads off the grain, and they're eating it. And, and, the, and it's on the Sabbath, which is breaking another one of their rules. And Jesus is like, haven't you heard what David and his companions did? They went in and ate the, the showbread, which, I mean, that is actually punishable by death. But David actually stepped into a different realm Way back then, of freedom and walking in the Lord, and, and Jesus is saying He did the right thing. He completely broke a rule, and I loved it. Mark three two, He healed a hand on the Sabbath, and He and He gets rebuked. Whenever Jesus breaks one of these rules, He demonstrates true freedom from regulation, and immediately a control spirit manifests. So, if that's ever manifested around you, take heart. This really comes to a head a few days later. It's in Mark chapter 7. Uh, Luke, you want to put that up there? We're going to end here. I've got four minutes, so I'm going to talk fast. We're not going to read through the whole thing. Let me just say that Jesus and his Pharisees, or Jesus and his disciples, are eating with unwashed hands. They have not washed their hands before they ate, which is disgusting, but it is not illegal. And, and And the Pharisees are saying... These guys are doing what is against our traditions. They're eating with unwashed hands. How dare they? And they, were, they, they get in Jesus' face again. And at this point, Jesus is kind of had it. He just puts the hammer down and he says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And then he says, your teachings are but rules taught by men. You're just binding people up and calling it doctrines of God. You're just creating more rules trying to make people more like God, and these rules just aren't working. It's only binding people up more and more and more. And he says one of the most crazy things. He says, you nullify or you make void the word of God by your traditions, by doing what you've always done before, by going back to what you've seen work before, by holding to these empty traditions that have a form of godliness but no power. Did you catch the word void? Does that make you think of another scripture about void and word of God? Isaiah 55:11 says that my word will not return to me void. As the water is sent forth and produces grain and snow falls and produces crops, my, my word will go forth and it will not return void. Well, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in this moment, and he says, You are making void the most powerful, powerful thing in the universe. You are rendering the word of God worthless in your life by your traditions. We're coming into the Christmas season. We are in the Christmas season. And a movie that I wouldn't recommend anyone to see, but I've seen it many times, is about Chevy Chase, and I won't name the movie because <laughs> this is church. <laughs> but in this movie, Chevy Chase is the main character, and he almost ruins Christmas by his traditions. He's trying to create the famous Griswold, historic Christmas, too many lights on the top of the roof, a tree that's too big for the room. He, I mean, at, at every turn, he's, he is holding to traditions and completely missing the point of the whole thing, which is to be near family. See, this is a critical juncture where movements can become monuments. We don't want to set up a monument. We want to be a movement. We want, to, <laughs> we want to keep on being blown by the wind of the Lord. Jesus gives us one of the deepest insights into his character and his life. He's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, you have to be born again. And, and Nicodemus is like, how is this going to happen? And Jesus says, As the wind comes and goes, no one knows where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Who was born of the Spirit at that time? One person was born of the Spirit, and it was the guy talking. Jesus himself. Is saying, I don't know where I'm going tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and talk to the Holy Ghost about it. That should be really encouraging for us if we don't have our lives figured out. Jesus is saying, don't know where I came from or where I'm going. I just follow the Holy Spirit. I... I've spent too much time looking back at outpourings of God in my life, at the monuments that I've set up instead of welcoming what the Lord wants to do in this moment right now. If you guys just step into this with me, right here in this moment, everything could change in your life. The power of God is present the same way that the Holy Spirit and his power was present in Jesus In this moment, the Holy Spirit in this moment can do miracles beyond what you ever thought possible, can remove addictions, can undo sickness, can just fill you with a hope where you can look back at this moment and think everything changed in that moment. And I'm really excited to be part of a church that is more interested in following the Holy Spirit than following tradition. That's who we are. That's who you are. It's what we get to do with the Lord.